So we want to go through the book of Ruth and then come back and notice some huge uh, pictures um, that just um, are obvious for us to, to learn. Uh, things that the Lord would have us to understand. Okay. Now, Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, uh, sets the background for us. Uh, this is, these are some rough times. Naomi and Elimelech were living in Bethlehem. And as you remember, they had to leave that land. At least they felt like they had to leave the, the land because of a tremendous famine that came upon them. So they went to the land of Moab and was able to find some fertile land and be there for uh, several years. But in the process of time, um, Elimelech died, and Ruth had her two sons, Malon and Kilion. And um, they both died, but before they, they died, they had taken wives of the Moabites, um, one named Orpah, and the other, of course, named Ruth. And so Naomi has gone through some tough times. Having to leave Bethlehem and take her family, is, would, we would consider that a, a tremendous uh, burden for just one life, one lifetime. But then she gets over to Moab and she loses uh, her husband and also her sons, leaving her with her two daughters-in-law and Orpah and, and Ruth. So that's uh, chapter 1, 1 through 5. Okay. And then chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 18, you'll see it just simply says there, Ruth decides to stay with Naomi. They sort of start traveling back toward Bethlehem, and both Orpah and uh, Ruth is going with Naomi. And it seems here that they have a very close relationship. How do we know that? Look at chapter 1 and verse number 9. Naomi says to them that they had dealt kindly um, with her and with her husband, with her sons. Uh, and then verse 9, The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house for her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. She was urging... She was urging, urging both Orpah and Ruth to go back home to where they came from so they could find husbands and find more security uh, for themselves. And as they're saying these goodbyes, uh, they hug each other and they weep together. This uh, communicates to us a very close relationship that Naomi had with her daughters-in-law. A great example, of course. Verse 14 also uh, says they lifted up their voices and wept again and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law but Ruth uh, clung to her clung to her so Ruth is going to of course stay with her let's think about that for just a minute think about what Ruth says and we're familiar with what she says here and we'll read it together in beginning in verse 15 think about what she says and what that means uh, to us and and what that tells about her character. But notice verse 15, chapter 115. Ruth said, uh, no, Naomi says, verse 15, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, verse 16, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. Where you go, I will go. 
Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me and you. So notice her mentioning God. Your God will be my God. I think it tells us something good about Ruth here, that she is able to to see through the pain that she's experiencing, that the whole family is experiencing, and understand that she needs a relationship with God as well. I think this tells us something about her insight into spiritual matters. Every person walking on this earth is created in the image of God and has a spirituality about them deep within I think it's Ecclesiastes 3, verses 10 and 11 says that all of us have eternity in our hearts. We are born with eternity in our hearts. We're born in the image of God. There is a part of us that's a lot like God. And since God is spirit and not flesh and bones, that means the inner part of us has a relation to God. And we need to bring that out of ourselves. And Ruth has the insight to do that. In our day, we would say she has a good and honest heart, Luke 8, 15. Jesus gives the, the parable of the sower there, and he says it's really good when the seed of the gospel falls upon a good and honest heart. That's good and fertile ground. Ruth seems to have developed that good and fertile ground and is able to see through the pain and see that she has a need of God. Certainly Naomi and her family had spoken about their faith in God. And so she had clung to that. She's clinging to Naomi, but I believe also she's clinging to her, to her God as well. And of course, we're very impressed with her commitment. Nothing but death is going to separate me and you. This is an excellent thought for two who are getting married to, to read and to study and meditate and to remember. Nothing but death is going to part me and you. We're very impressed here with her commitment. And so Ruth chapter 1, 1 through 5 tells us the rough times that they experience, but then also there's a bright spot here in that Ruth is showing some some great character uh, as she clings to Naomi. We remember Naomi's explanation to them here in chapter 1, how that she says, look, there's really no hope with me. Even if I had a husband right, husband right now, and even if I were to conceive sons uh, this very night, uh, you wouldn't want to um, hang around for all these years for my sons to grow up and, and marry then. You need to go on with your life, and you need to find security uh, in your husband. We have to remember back in these days that a woman's security was found in her husband, and her, her future security uh, most often was found in her sons. And so Naomi had nothing to offer, and so she urged them to go back home. But Ruth was going to cling uh, to her. Okay? And so that's through chapter 1 and verse number 18. Now, chapter 1, 19 through 22, they returned to Bethlehem. They returned to Bethlehem. If you want to find the relation of Bethlehem and Moab, in the back of your Bibles where you have maps, most of the time 
If you look at for the heading, the 12 tribes of Israel, it'll show uh, both Bethlehem and Moab, and you'll see, um, I think it is, the Dead Sea that is between those two. So it's quite a journey to go around that body of water and get back to, to Bethlehem. These two, can you imagine two women who have, they have nothing. They have, they have no money, no property. They have no possessions. They strike out uh, to travel uh, back home. And so it's, it's quite a, a scene, if you could remember it. This is about the 12th century B.C. before Christ. And it's just a very interesting time. In the days of the judges, um, while there was no king in Israel. So they returned back home. Now, you'll notice in chapter 1 that Naomi comes back and she's quite forsaken. She, she's very much in despair. She comes back home. There's quite a stir in the community because they had heard about the tragedy of Naomi. And yet they also hear that she's back home and she has one of her daughters-in-laws with her. And so you notice this in verse 19, chapter 1. Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Change my name. Have you ever felt so bad? Have you ever been in such despair that you just didn't want to be seen? That you just didn't want to be known? She Don't call me Naomi. Call me Myra. Myra means bitterness. Bitterness. She says, For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Verse 21, Ruth 1. I went away full when I left this land. I had my husband. I had my faith. I had hope. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. She says, Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought this calamity upon me? Now, a lot of folks feel this way when things go wrong, when, when calamity uh, comes. But Naomi is mistaken here. It's not the Lord who has brought this on her. But it's, it, it shows how close she does feel to the Lord because she's so accustomed to crediting the Lord with good things that when something bad happens, that she just feels the Lord has gone against her for some reason. But this is not true. It is not true. Certainly the Lord brings all good things, but the bad things, the suffering in the world, is not, it's not the Lord that does that. Okay. We know from Romans 5 and verse 12 that through one man sin entered into the world and then death uh, through that. So the suffering has been brought upon because, mainly because of man's sin. Not personal sin every time, but sin in general has created a, a very dangerous, a very um, fragile society. And so that's, that's why that. But she feels this way. She, and you can feel for Naomi. If you, can, if you put yourself in her situation, you can feel for her. She does feel like she has come home empty. Empty. 
She just has um, nothing to offer uh, the world. And so that gets us through uh, chapter 1, and it is the uh, time for uh, the barley fields and gleaning from the barley fields, the harvest time with the wheat and the barley. And so that brings us to chapter 2. Any other comments on chapter 1? Any comments on chapter 1 before we leave it? She made that long trip home. I guess she did feel empty. Yeah. Well, tired, worn out. Yeah. She's definitely tired and worn out. She's, she has dealt with uh, famine. She has dealt with disease. What took those men away? What, what caused her husband and her two sons to die? Most definitely, we're not really told, but it had to be disease. It had to be, uh, and then that from that came from came despair. Uh, she has certainly had her share of sleepless nights. She does come home very tired and uh, empty. Chapter 2, you'll see here, chapter 2 and uh, verses 1 through 7, Ruth comes. Ruth goes to the barley fields. Okay. And this shows again the great character of Ruth. She only has insight to the Lord, but she also has um, made a great commitment to Naomi. And part of that commitment is she's willing to go out and to work and to, and to serve. So she, she asked permission of Naomi you know, can I go out to the fields and try to see what I can glean? And she says, go, my daughter. This is, uh, this is really remarkable to, to think about. We sometimes say on a wing and a prayer, uh, she's going out just to try to find something, some sort of means for them to make some bread and to uh, create some sort of life for themselves. It's all down to her to do this. And she goes out saying, it may be that I'll find favor somewhere from some man. She don't really have an idea that this is going to happen. It might not happen. But there she goes. I, I sort of think that she comes, um, she hits these fields with, with, with a trust in the Lord as well. Okay. So we need to remember that the Lord blesses those who serve. He's always done that. If we're willing to serve, if we're willing to put forth the effort, then he will bless. He always has done that. He's always done that. We, we doubt at our own peril because the Lord will always bless uh, servants and workers uh, who have a sincere heart. So she goes out with this kind of sincerity. And um, notice what is said in verse 3. Ruth 2 and verse 3. You see that? It says, So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Okay, so he is a, a relative. She just happened to follow on that. We, we will know later, as you read this, and she will know later, that this was part of the great hand of God uh, working in her behalf. Okay, we call that providence of God. And this is not so much a miracle as it is that God is quietly working behind the scenes, rewarding her faith and her diligence. Remember, God will reward faith 
when we take the initiative to go ahead and begin to serve, when we take the initiative to trust and to serve, trust and to work, then he will come then and create an avenue for us, even though we don't, we can't see it right off hand. She didn't know where she would end up that day. She didn't, she didn't know that there would be blessings that come out from the field of Boaz. She didn't know there would be a relationship there. But um, the Lord knew what was happening there. Notice in chapter 2, verse 4, the conversation that Boaz has with his workers. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He coming, he's coming to check on the reapers. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And then they answered, The Lord bless you. That sounds like a pretty good work environment, doesn't it? Notice the faith that, that Boaz has. This is outstanding to me because of the times in which they lived. Remember, as you read the opening statement in Ruth, this is the times of the judges. And if you, leave, if you read the last statement of the book of Judges, what does it say? What was going on in the time of the judges? According to the last statement of the book of Judges. Yeah, it was a time of chaos. It was a, it was a time of very little belief. It, it was a time when every man did that was, which was right in his own eyes. But look, faith can still grow. Faith can still be nourished, even though everybody around you is kind of going this way and that. Everybody, if everybody's following their own ways, if they're, if they're serving other gods or if they're serving the God of self, uh, still a person can have the sense enough, the character enough to create faith not only in himself but in others. So here is... Here is uh, Naomi. She has not completely lost her faith. Here is Ruth gaining faith. Here is Boaz with a full-blown faith. And so even though the world around us is chaotic, that doesn't mean that we have to lose our faith. In fact, it's the time. It's the very time when our faith needs to be uh, the strongest. And so he, get, he comes to his field, and then he asks one of his um, men, he says, who is this? Who is this? I don't know if you need to read between the lines here or not, but possibly. Uh, there are other women out there gleaning uh, as they can to take back to their families, even young women. So Ruth is not the first woman to come along and do this. So is it possible that, that there's something about her that just catches his eye? Well, quicker than you can turn the page in your Bible, he begins to find out all he can about her. Okay, where is she from? Why is she out here? Who is this? And, of course, he learns that this is Naomi's daughter-in-law. They said they have come back, and so that catches his eye uh, even more. And so chapter 2, 1 through 7, uh, Ruth hits the fields. And then chapter 2, verses 8 through 16, She's going to have two conversations with Boaz. And you can read them there for yourself. The first one is going to be while she's out there gleaning, right there during the daytime. And so as uh, she's gleaning, notice this beginning in verse 8. Boaz says to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. 
or leave this one, but you keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and then you go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, you go to the vessels and you drink what the young men are drawing out. And then she fell on her face, bowed to the ground, and said, Why have I found favor in your eyes? And so right away, you might say that Boaz upgrades her work condition. He didn't want her just going anywhere. He wanted her to be protected. He wanted her to have fruit from her labors. And so he initiates a conversation here uh, with her. And she feels uh, so grateful. And she just utters the words a couple of times here how she didn't know why he was, uh, she was finding favor with him. But he explains that, doesn't he? Uh, notice here in verse 11, Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land, and you came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord, notice this, Boaz's faith, the Lord repays you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel. Now notice this, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He says, Ruth, you have come to take refuge under the hand of God, and we appreciate your faith. This has caught his eye as well. Now, this indicates to us exactly what type of man that a mom and dad is looking for in regard to their daughter or daughters. And this also indicates for moms and dads the kind of young lady you would like for your son to get attached to. Look at the character that flows from Ruth and then look at the faith and character that flows from Boaz. These are the kinds of people that need to get married. People that don't have this kind of character don't need to get married. Because when they get married, what happens? They bring children into the world. And those are the kind of people that doesn't, do not need to be parents. These are the kind of people that need to come together and, and have families. And so we see this right away. Right? Go ahead. I believe Boaz see, he could inspect the workers who had become older, younger, and they knew the people. If he wanted to know about her, he already knew about the rest of the people here, but here was somebody different. He didn't recognize her. And then when he sought out to find out what kind of character, he was looking for a good woman. He was a single man. I don't doubt that a bit. He was looking for a good woman because he was a single man. There have been many young women that have been out there. and Of course, in his position as, as the owner of that property, he would know a lot of people. But definitely, uh, he has, because of his faith, he has a certain young woman in mind. And so he is beginning to take, take some interest here. So chapter 2. Uh, verses 1 through 7 has her going out into the fields. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 16, we have two conversations with Boaz. The first one here, during the day, in the field. And then later at mealtime, notice that. Uh, what verse is that? Verse 14? At mealtime, notice that. 
chapter 2, 14. Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. And she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she arose to glean, Boaz instructed the young men, Let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Pull out some bundles for her to, to glean from. and Do not uh, rebuke her. But notice this. How long had it been since um, Ruth had been able to sit down and eat a meal like that until she was satisfied? They had just been getting by. And so Boaz is showing her a lot of favor here, a lot of grace uh, toward her. So it's something to really take notice of, not just... Not just a man searching for a wife, but just a relation of two people searching God's will. So two conversations here on this one day, this one uh, evening. Boaz is pretty smart, I would say, because um, he sees her and he's impressed. So he doesn't just let the day go by. He makes sure that she has a, a nice meal and that she's able to take some home to to uh, Naomi as well. So then chapter 2, verses 17 through 23, we have on this day, on this day, she returns home and and, uh, tells Naomi all about it. And of course she has some, she has a bundle with her and she has some food from supper. And so Naomi asks, where did you glean today? And then Ruth tells her and and then uh, Naomi's mind begins to, to really uh, get, him, get in gear about the possibilities here because Boaz is, is a kinsman. And she's not sure, of course, how all this might work out. And so through the rest of that season, that harvest season, Ruth goes out every day and gleans from Boaz's field. But what a day. What a day. Isn't it amazing that how one day changed their entire outlook. Isn't it amazing what God can accomplish in one day? One day. Think about what God did on just one day, the day of Pentecost. Think about what God did just on one day uh, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God can do a lot in one day. Think about the difference that one day makes just when a person comes to Christ Baptized in the cross. What a difference that one day makes. Um, and when you meet someone uh, who's, who you're going to marry, and that, one pers- that person will help you get to heaven, that is a tremendous day uh, as well. So Ruth uh, 2, 17-23 has um, us down to this evening. And what an evening that must have been. Ruth must have been really tired, but she probably couldn't go to bed from telling Naomi all about her experiences that day. She left that morning not knowing where she was going to end up. She didn't know. She said, perhaps I'll find favor with somebody today, or maybe two or three somebodies. But look how the Lord guided her on that day. And so now it's Naomi's time. Chapter 3, beginning verses 1 through 5, here at the end of the season, she instructs, Ruth on what she needs to do. 
as a possible marriage to uh, Boaz. She says this is going to be the night where he will be down at the threshing floor. He'll want to go to down, he'll want to go down there and spend the night because he wants to protect what is his. And so oftentimes even the owners and the reapers will just stay all night to protect their bundles. And that's what he would be doing. She knew the situation that night. Naomi did. And so she instructs Ruth to go down and to, as he sleeps, now let him, let him eat his supper, let him, let him get full, let him you know, have his talks with his men. And when he goes to lie down, you mark where he lies down. And you go to his feet. You uncover his feet and you just lay down there. And then he'll tell you what you need to do. So along about midnight, he will wake up and discover uh, Ruth. But in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 3, we just have the instructions of Naomi. Isn't it good that no, although Naomi came home empty, full of pain, she's still, through that pain, she is looking out for uh, Ruth. She wants things to be well for Ruth. She's trying to find some security uh, for Ruth uh, with Boaz. And so we have here in chapter 3 then, uh, verses 6 through 18, there'll be two more conversations with Boaz. At midnight, Boaz will wake up and discover Ruth there. And uh, in the darkness of the night, he will ask, well, who are you? And then Ruth will say, well, I am Ruth, your servant. And she says, uh, spread your wings over me. You see that in verse 9? Chapter 3, verse 9. Who are you? I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Basically, she is asking him to become her husband. And so, how is he going to reply? He's not under obligation to do this, because Elimelech was not his brother. He's of the family. But he could, you know, he, he wouldn't be under obligation, I don't think, on this. But... His response is, without doubt, verse 10. He says, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than your first, in that you have not gone after young men where the poor are rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. So he responds, Absolutely, I'm willing. In other words, will you be my redeemer? And then Boaz says, Absolutely, I will. But there's one relative closer than me. And so um, they have this discussion. He tells her right there at midnight, he says, you lay down and um, we'll get up early in the morning. So she lays back down, but they get up early in the morning. He gives her uh, more food to take home to Naomi. And so early in that, that, that morning, she goes back home to Naomi. And Naomi, of course, is very anxious. She says, how did you, how did you manage? What happened? Tell me. And um, she told him. And Naomi says to Ruth, she, 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 she said, he won't rest until uh, he gets this matter settled. And sure enough, beginning in chapter 4, uh, Boaz can go to the city gate and he's going to find ten witnesses and he's going to find that close relative, the Redeemer, and going to have a talk with him. And so it's real interesting how all this plays out. And then chapter 4 brings us down to the fact that Boaz is going to get the right uh, to marry. He does it properly. You know? And so that's just the kind of man he is. He's going to do this properly. So he finds this close redeemer, and he says, um, 
Naomi, as you know, has come back home and she is willing to sell her place. And he, he said to him, are you willing to redeem it? He said, yeah, I want to redeem that. I need that. I'd like to have that piece of property. He said, well, there's something else. So what Boaz does here, he shows this redeemer the fine print. You know, here's the fine print of this. In redeeming this, you also get Ruth. You've got to acquire Ruth. And Naomi comes with this as well. And so when he said, oh, two women come with this, I, I can't do that. Okay. Obviously, he was married. He had his own family. He didn't need to, to bring a wife into that. He just couldn't do that. And so when he refused that, that left it open for Boaz. And so uh, quicker than you could say any kind of word, uh, they, he goes and tells the news to, to Ruth. And they go off to the chapel of love, and they get married. So he has the right to marry. That's important for us to remember that not everybody has the right to marry, even in our own day. Okay. You know there are three people qualified to be married under the covenant of Jesus. Two who have never been married can get married. Okay. A person who has been married, but then lost his mate to death. Of course, is, is, uh, has a right to, to marry. And then someone who's been married, but whose mate uh, went out and committed fornication against them, as long as they themselves are innocent of any such behavior, then that person can remarry whose mate goes out and commits fornication. They don't have to. In fact, the preferred route there would be to try to work on forgiveness and, and reconciliation, which, by the way, I have been involved in many of those. We probably don't talk about that as much. Of course, you, don't, you, don't, you would never make that public to anybody, but I can't tell you the number of young ladies who have called me and said, I have just caught my husband in an affair. And she says, I do not want to leave this home. I, we have little children. I'm thinking of one right now who's in this area. And she said, but I'm as angry as I've ever been. But she worked through that. And I can tell you more than one story or even more than two or three stories. So the preferred thing is not to, to go ahead with the divorce. Sometimes that can't be helped. So... Those three types of individuals have the right uh, to marry under the system of Christ. So Boaz goes out and gets his right to marry Ruth. And so from, uh, that's chapter 4, 1 through 12. And then chapter 4, 13 to 22, it's just happily ever after, after that. But notice what is said here in chapter 4 by the neighbors, the friends of Naomi, the focus comes back to Naomi. Naomi had said, I have left full and I've come back empty. But now, Boaz, verse 13, took Ruth and she became his wife. And, and then she gave, she bore a son. And then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Naomi came home saying, the Lord has left me. The hand of the Lord is against me, bitterly against me. And the women came to her now and said, the Lord has not left you, has he? 
And then notice um, verse 15. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons. And she has given a birth uh, to, a, to a son for you. The love of Ruth conquered all the suffering that Naomi had gone through. It didn't take it away. But it gave her life. It gave her hope. It gave her a path to travel. So because of Ruth's love, all of this is being able to take place. Now, to look at this on a big level, I want us to think about three things before we end. First, notice that Ruth had a need for a redeemer. And then, in this story, a need for a redeemer because of all the things that happened to her. And then, the redeemer is identified, a kinsman redeemer, someone kin to them, was identified, who was Boaz. And then, chapter 3, Naomi says, here's how you make this happen. Here's how you create a relationship with your Redeemer. And it's very strange for us to hear them going down and uncovering the feet, but this is how the transaction occurred. So, in a very real sense, this is our story too, spiritually speaking, because all of us are in need of a, re of a Redeemer. See, not because we experience physical death all around us, but because... Ephesians 2 says our sins puts us in spiritual death. Okay. And we have no other options. Ruth, Ruth was out of options, but she clung to, to Naomi. We too have no other option but our Redeemer. And so we're in need of a Redeemer. Our Redeemer is clearly identified in Scripture as Jesus Christ. He's our Redeemer. He's our kinsman because he came and dwelt among us. John 1.14 he became flesh and dwelt among us. Hebrews 2 talks a lot about how he shared in flesh and blood so that he could be our Redeemer. Hebrews 2, 14. Hebrews 2 and verse 17. He became a merciful and faithful high priest because he became one of us. He was in all points tempted like as we are, Hebrews 4, 15, yet without uh, sin. So he became our Redeemer. Just as Boaz was qualified to be the Redeemer for Ruth, so Jesus Christ is the only one qualified to be our Redeemer. And then we have to make that choice. Even though Boaz was clearly there, yet Ruth had to go down to that threshing floor and make that choice. And so just because we identify the Redeemer doesn't make that relationship happen. We have to repent of our sins and be baptized into Christ. And because of his blood, the price paid, and we can be redeemed. The idea of being redeemed is simply a release from a bad situation, a release from a bondage, or a release from a situation like, like Ruth was in and Naomi was in. But we're thankful that there is redemption. There is redemption in this case, and there is redemption spiritually for us. So that's the picture that comes out of the book of Ruth, but we're not through there. You know, think about how that Ruth was able to bring Christ into the world because 
you know, her lineage, her and Boaz, together, who did they have as a son? Who? Obed. Obed. And Obed had Jesse, and Jesse had David. And that's the lineage of Christ. By the way, who was the mother of, of Boaz? Rahab. Rahab. Notice these two women in the lineage of Jesus. Okay, just a remarkable thought how that Jesus all along was going to be reaching out uh, to the downfallen uh, in the world. And so Ruth uh, brought, in a sense, through her love and faith, she brought Jesus to the world. And we can do the same thing. If we will have the courage to open up our mouth and tell people about the redemption that can be found in Christ. In fact, not just redemption, but the only way of having redemption is through Christ. Well, thank you so much. Um, it was It's a big story, full of a lot of lessons and love. Um, maybe just us touching on it this evening will... Uh, encourage you to study further uh, this great life, Ruth and Boaz.